0: Bucket Problem Episode 9. I am your host, Ace Ambender. We are brought to you, as always, by Home Field Apparel. I will get it out of the way right now. Use promo code BUCKETPROBLEM for 15% off your first order. Ready or not, it is the football preview. And ready or not, we are starting with the defense. Dan and Connor are joining me today. We're not going to mess around. Before we jump into that, we are going to have a quick general discussion about how to read and interpret practice reports, because this is a big thing in the fall. And as somebody who has covered the team from up close and afar, been to a bunch of high school camps, been to a few Michigan practices back when they actually used to let media members hop in there for about a half an hour before kicking us out. Um, And also like my best friend played running back in college. Like I I, I know a little bit about how these things work. Um, And I think the thing that I most want to harp on is that you are very unlikely to learn much of anything from attending even a couple practices, especially if you are not filming from a bird's eye view and going over all the tape. And you also need to know what the objective is for each drill, which... Can be different depending on each what each player is supposed to be doing. Might not be the same for each guy going through um, what looks to be the same drill. Uh, might not be the same for guys on the different strings. Uh, it's football practices are complicated. They're often very boring. Things can look very out of whack at times. And also the the parts of it that um, are most informative are generally the parts of it. Uh, where people are not uh, allowed to stay if they are liable to leak word about them. So I think that's where I'm, I'm going to start with that. Uh, do you guys have anything to add on the uh, how to read these things front?
1: Yeah. I, I know Dan's actually gone through some football practices, so he can probably <laughs> speak to that. I will say just today, serendipitously, I'm hu- my hometown is Laramie, Wyoming home of the university of Wyoming Cowboys. And today I happened to be parked for a while next to a University of Wyoming football practice, and I watched for several minutes, and I could tell you I learned less than nothing from watching their practice. Like, as I as, as said, I think the thing that sticks in my mind is like, I couldn't even really tell you if the corners, like when they were doing, you know, sort of drills that resembled uh, actual football plays, I couldn't tell you if the corners were doing well even, and that's like one of the easiest positions to assess. Um, it's just chaos and like you can't really say what guys are supposed to be doing which you also often can't do in games until you review the film and know what you're looking at which is one of the maddening things about football discourse uh so yeah practice bits are huge grain of salt
2: so yeah i mean the, the thing i would add here and by the way just to you know put it out there i i am the only one on this pod that's ever uh, actually played organized football so you know it's <laughs> I, I will i will be taking that as you know a A major credential that, you know, ultimately anything that I say does supersede, you know, any of your opinions. (laughs) So um, anyway, uh, but yeah, I mean, think about it this way, right? Like if you've ever been to a game at the big house, like that's kind of the optimal, like watch football viewing uh, conditions, like you're elevated, you can see the whole field relatively, like, you know, you're watching the game from like somewhat of a bird's eye view. And think about when you go home, like, you know who won, you remember big plays, but like, I can tell you personally, like even with, you know, I watch a lot of football and it's hard to figure out like af- as you're living the game, like, okay, what really did happen? Like you, you have to go through the box score and like remind yourself, like what were the actual stats? You have to, um, you have to go back and like watch the highlights again. And then you have to, uh, you know, ultimately like, to really get like an opinion you know like sometimes I-, I will i'll go to like you know sites that have all 22 on them like you you you'll read like what pff had to say about the game maybe you know uh MGO blogs uh under further review column you know something like that like and even after all of that you could end up with a very small sample size of plays from certain players that like do not tell you how good they really actually are you know over a larger sample you know over like a, a larger uh the larger arc of their career i guess so you know i would just take basically you have to understand that any um any practice bits that you tend to hear coming from like former players that were led into practice or whatever should be take with taken with like a heaping helping of salt and um i think what's more reliable though to, is is what the coaches are leaking um it's more reliable because the coaches do break down all the film of practice and do spend a lot more time with the players, but then it's less reliable because the coaches have their own agendas and you know people <laughs> yes. that they want to hype up. So it's, it's like you're really, you know, it's a double-edged sword and I don't really think that y- you should trust what you've seen on the field thus far over anything that the coaches are saying and anything you hear from practice reports.
0: Yeah, it should be important to remember that the term uh, reading tea leaves, uh, remember where that comes from. It's not like a hard science. Um, And that's (laughs) what we say when we talk about trying to figure out these practice reports. I was listening to um, the Athletics NFL podcast uh, hosted by Robert Mays, who's really excellent and who uh, is in the midst of like, uh, training camp tour right now, where he's going around and talking to a bunch of coaches, both on and off the record. And and one thing that he said that really stuck with me was that a lot of these coaches get to the the podium a, after a practice, and and someone will ask him a question about how a, how a player did, and they'll just go, "I don't know," like I, like I, and that's the honest answer. Like an NFL coach, like even if it's a guy in, in that person's position group a lot of times like you, you still need to go back over the tape to really be able to say what a player was doing and um and how well they performed and especially if you're if those were guys who knew what the assignments were, you know, knew what was supposed to be happening on every play. I think there are certain things you can obviously take away from you know, just being able to see a player's physical gifts but uh even then only a pretty small portion of football practice is run at full speed so it's that even becomes dangerous at times because i think sometimes you get to get reports where people say like oh like so and so was really loafing it and it's like well i think you just watched two staffs where the intention was to get the technique down and he was supposed to be going (laughs) at like 60 percent speed and like actually these guys tend to be trying pretty hard like i feel like there are so many ro- more reports about football players being lazy than there are actual lazy football players because in reality there are very few lazy football players
2: <laughs> and i'll actually chime in on that like just again speaking from you know the only one on the podcast that's ever actually played football <laughs> um <laughs> that ultimately like the practice football practices are extremely strenuous and like long and hot and a lot of times, like especially through like the technique drills, like you are going to be loafing it. Like you're going to be you're going to be absorbing what the coaches are telling you, and like kind of walking through it. But you're not giving like a hundred percent effort for like you know hand fighting drills for the defensive line. So you know, I mean, again, it's 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 really like you you have to know what you're looking for. Um, and another thing I'll add, you know, I one of my best friends is, is like a pretty high on a pretty high level coaching staff. Um, in uh in the nfl um and uh he's you know like they have an entire defensive staff dedicated to watching from a bird's eye view again like they know all the assignments everything and when you know when when the defense you know comes off the field um, it is basically like a mad scramble for them to like diagnose, like, you know, what went well, what went wrong. And like, you know, who's getting beat, who's like, you know, doing a good job, etc. And like how to adjust like, and they've got like 10 people dedicated to doing that. And sometimes they can't even like decipher in time to like get the adjustments down for the next drive. So like, again, it's just, it's a very complicated sport and, and it, and, you know, it just, I don't want to, I don't want to beat it at a horse here, but I think, you know, it should, everything that you hear should be taken with a grain of salt.
0: I'm going to beat it just a tiny bit more before we move on because I saw an interesting tweet earlier. I wish I remembered to pull it aside, but I did not. Um, actually, it was from uh, Connor McQuiston, um, or who, I can't remember his handle off the top of my head, but uh, Connor with one N there. There are so many Connors, um, but uh, a like analytics guy, uh, U of M, um, tried to like correlate. Uh, preseason PFF grades for, uh, I think it was rookie quarterbacks or it might have been quarterbacks in general. But either way, it's uh, the point is fair, is that he tried to correlate their PFF grades. So, like, these guys going through the film after the fact with time to go through it, you know, not necessarily having to do it at the speed of a coaching staff, uh, turning it right back around. And there was pretty much zero correlation between preseason PFF grades for these guys and how they actually performed in the season. So it's one of those things where, I mean, this is run on a tight schedule. Uh, It's an extremely complicated game. Guys come online at different times. Uh, Guys are processing things differently during practice. Some guys are better practice players than game players. Some guys it's the other way around. And, yeah, to, to take stuff away from one practice, I I mean, sometimes it's hard to take stuff away from an entire fall camp, uh, which is why you get coaching staffs that head into the season with one guy starting, and then they get, you know, a couple drives into the season, and they go, I've made a huge mistake. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a tough game to figure out, and uh, watching from the sideline uh, for a few drills is... It sometimes maybe almost makes you know less uh, than you came in knowing. So on that note, we are going to, um, I think, largely based on our impressions from sometimes 2019, a little bit 2020. Although, as you'll hear, we're pretty willing to throw that year out the window for, uh, I think, mostly obvious reasons at this point. But uh, uh, COVID and an entire coaching staff change is a good short summary. Um, what we are going to do is go through each position group in this new defense. That is the defensive line, edge, inside linebacker, cornerback, and safety. Uh, Connor is going to give the bullish case for the outcome, uh, the ceiling case, if you will, while still keeping it uh, realistic. And Dan is going to give the bearish case, and I get to be the decider. Um, So... Uh, I will turn it over to, uh, well, Connor, first of all, um, before I do that, uh, we'll start with the defensive line. The short version, Michigan is moving to a 3-4 defense um, under new defense coordinator Mike McDonald. Um, So that means a true zero-tech nose tackle uh, with a planetary space eater type guy and two defensive tackle-like defensive ends. You've seen Wisconsin run this. Um, obviously, Michigan is porting this over from the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so you're projected starter-ish. Uh, uh, we'll see. Um, Mazzie Smith is probably starting a nose tackle. It's either him or oft-injured Oregon State transfer Jordan Whitley, who's had a pretty uh, nomadic college career but is absolutely huge and uh you're going to be platooning those guys anyway cuz the, the java nose tackle uh is difficult and and requires some rest. Um Chris Hinton, the the 2019 five star could be either a nose uh rotating in or he could play that end spot. He he had really impressive interior pass rushing credentials uh coming out of high school. Uh kind of fits that mold, so I I actually really like him as a 3-4 end if he can stick there. Donovan Jeter, another guy who is has gained a significant amount of weight since uh, Don Brown left the premises. Um, probably not a coincidence there. Um, another guy who could maybe play nose or slide over and eat space uh, as an end, although you'd probably want a little bit more pass rushing upside there, which you could possibly get uh, from Julius Welshoff uh, the German import uh from 2018 who had uh, some very fun training videos and whatnot. Um, With that, I I don't need to run through all the names. I've probably already done it excessively. Connor, what is the bullish case for the interior of the line?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think that when you got right down to it with the Don Brown era, uh, a major reason that things fell off the rails was he didn't seem to want defensive tackles to be big enough, and as Ace pointed out, they kind of need to be big. Um, and I also, like, for a lot of, lot of time there, it didn't really seem – like, he just was not fitting things to the personnel that he had in their strengths, right? You had Quiddy Pay, who is now being groomed to be, like, a freakish pass rusher in the NFL, used at an anchor spot. And both he and Aiden Hutchinson last year and the year before that had to clean up for a lot of um, – the fact that defensive tackles could not do their duties, all of which is probably getting too much in-depth with last year. But I guess the the, the start transition now is, insofar as McDonald is probably mostly going to go to a 3-4, although he's very big on saying sometimes I'll run a 6-1, whatever. Um, we'll say mostly 3-4. It it appears, as Ace said, like with Wisconsin, you're going to have three big guys whose job is to hold their ground, prevent anything from happening up the middle, uh, and squeeze the pocket. And I think, like... This bulked-up Michigan defensive line, which has at least recruiting credentials if a lack of proven ability, I think that they can do that. I think that bigger Mozzie Smith, um, I think Chris Hinton at 310, Donovan Jeter at a similar weight. Like I'm pretty optimistic about their ability to do that fairly simple task to, as a trio, eat up a lot of space um, and to make it harder for teams to go up the middle on Michigan than has been the case for the last few years. Like I think that the that the the most sober bull case here is it should at the very least be a lot harder to blow Michigan's defensive line right off the ball immediately and get six yards up the middle, which is something we've seen like elite offensive lines like Wisconsin and Ohio State do. I think it's gonna be a lot harder to do that with these guys.
2: Yeah, I would agree I would agree with that. Um I would agree that uh it's it is going to be harder to just cave Michigan's defensive line and um just by virtue of the fact that there are simply three of them instead of two um and they're you know appropriately sized I mean I mean that that sounds sounds silly but you know in the most literal sense uh you know in the same way that Wisconsin is harder to move the ball on the ground because you know there's more beef up front Michigan will you know also have that similar characteristic um I think that the, the, the bear case, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to want to make here given um, the Michigan's interior defensive line play over the past couple of years. Uh, but I think the bear case to make here is that, um, you know, you're stretching an already underwhelming position over um, over uh, three positions instead of two. Um, you know, you absolutely in this defense need a a nose that – uh, can can not only, you know, eat space, but can hold his own against double teams, like genuinely knock it blocked off the ball. Um, and I, I look, you know, I mean, this go of course, this goes against, you know, what I said last week about or two weeks ago about, you know, being the, the founding member of the, the Mozzie party. Um, but <laughs> I, I do believe in Mozzie Smith to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's not going away. Um, or it'll rain for a thousand years. Uh, but uh, <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, no, I believe I actually believe in Mozzie smith's uh, Miss Smith's ability to do that. But you know, he he is unproven. He barely played last year. Um, and uh, he's I I don't believe that uh, you know, the, I don't believe they have depth at that position. You know, you have it's basically Mozzie Smith and Jordan Whitley, um, and Jordan Whitley. You know, from all accounts is is. Very overweight and probably not ready to play significant snaps um and then you know at at your at your tackle positions, so you know you're kind of they're gonna call it defensive end, but it's 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 a tackle um you have chris Hinton, who you know's got all the talent in the world, but has not really flashed like any wow ability um in the past two seasons, which you know could be a factor of you know sort of being a freshman in twenty nineteen and then um, you know, obviously last year was a mess. so I'm, I'm not look, I'm not selling any of these guys yet. Um, but then and then you've got Donovan Jeter on the other side who, you know was better last year and we're hearing the hype for a third year in a row, but like you know, I'll believe that when I see it too. And that's pretty much your three. and your fourth seems to be Jess Spate. Um, like that's the guy that the coaches continue to bring up. And don't believe that's... the
0: walk-on preseason hype. <laughs> Never believe it. <laughs> I don't, look, I don't do believe it. the hype.
2: I, I don't believe the hype. But he's the only guy they're really mentioning at those spots. I mean, it's those three, and then it's him. And they're and honestly, they're bringing up Spate with Hinton. You know, so like <sighs> it's it's like those are probably your four. Um, and you know, someone else is going to play. Like like I'm sure they're going to have someone else emerge. You know but right now those seem to be the guys the coaches are comfortable with and you need those four to play you know if if, if the three four is really going to be your base defense which it seems like it is those four are going to have to play all your snaps at those three positions and um yeah like i think that you know i think they're going to be better against the run because again there are three of them they're all three of them are a year older and probably a year better um and, and, you know, allowed to, like, get up to the weights that they, they naturally, you know, should be at. Um, but do I think that any of them are going to be difference makers? You know, remains to be seen. So, you know, that, that, that's, I, think, I think the Bear case is, like, a, a, a defensive lo- an interior defensive line that is better against the run but gets gassed because they're thin and is one injury away from being really, really shaky.
0: The injury case is definitely strong, and one that gives me a certain amount of pause before I do what I'm going to do anyway, which is actually side with Connor on this one. And I was very much saying, I have not written down, like, where I'm going with each of these, and part of that is because we maybe decided this format uh, very shortly before we started recording this podcast, (laughs) but part of it is also because I want to stay open and listen to these cases, and... Yes, the depth is scary, um, but I think, first of all, I like the talent level um, of Smith, Hinton, and Jeter uh, as your as you're starting three. And I also think that while this is and something that uh, was mentioned earlier is that uh, Mike McDonald has done, uh, has made sure to emphasize that, yes, this is a 3-4, but this is also going to have a lot of shifting fronts And I think part of that shifting front is going to be removing one of these three larger defensive linemen. And Michigan, I mean, if they're starting Smith, Hinton, and Jeter are basically going 325, 325, and 310, that is beef. And, I mean, if Whitley can see the field, he's going to see the field at about 340, 350. And at that point, all you need him to do is just hold his position. But I think you're going to see, you know, you might see one of those guys lifted off the field at times, have Aiden Hutchinson slide down, put his hand in the dirt, uh, put a third edge guy on the field or another safety on the field, depending on uh, what kind of offense you're going against, what down it is. Uh, I I think there's going to be a fair amount of, if they can pull it off, and obviously you, you, you do worry about running into some hurry-up issues with this, Um, but I do think uh, they're going to be able to pull off having some situational subs and some packages that can cover for uh, some of the depth issues, especially since Hutchinson has proven that he can even slide inside and be pretty impactful, especially uh, on passing down some while you don't want to mitigate his edge rushing. Um, You can at least do that to give guys a break.
2: So, let me just give a quick counterpoint. So, like, who do you see as, like, the impact pass rusher of that group? Because, I mean, no one's really shown anything yet, right?
0: Well, name Julius Welshaw. Well, yeah, first of all, you know, put juice on the Gilston diet, and let's see where this goes. Uh, but also, name an impact pass rusher from Wisconsin, from their three traditional defensive linemen. It's You're yeah. going to have a tough time doing all right. it. Uh, okay, fine. Because I, other, fine. other than J.J. Watt, who admittedly was awesome, uh, the guys who actually impact are the dudes who are standing up. And we will get to those dudes right now because we are on to edge. Um, those guys are standing now, as uh, I just mentioned. And as I mentioned earlier, one of those guys is Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, he is the expected superstar of this defense, um, a four-star in 2018 who has very much lived up to the hype. Um, Son of former Michigan uh, stalwart defensive end Chris Hutchinson, um, he's going to be pretty excellent on one side, and uh, I do think that uh, um, having a more of a pass rush oriented position, in fact, really two of them, is is going to at least benefit him statistically. Uh, beyond him, there is a, a little bit of question as to who will fill. That second edge spot, Taylor Upshaw, uh, three-star from the 2018 class, was the player who saw the field the most uh, last year of the rest of the group. Um, But he doesn't necessarily have the upside of of some of the other options, Uh, namely David Ojabo, a 2019 four-star originally from Scotland um, who started playing football his junior year of high school and is – It might be a year early for him to really be an impactful player, maybe even in a situational role. He's almost certainly not going to be in every-down player this early in his career. Uh, And we really mean, like, lifetime football career when we're speaking about Ojabo. But as a situational pass rusher, he is very enticing. Uh, Jalen Harrell, another four-star, this time from the 2020 class, kind of in that mold as Keyshawn Bennett. Um, who is a true freshman this year. And then if you want something beefier, you have Mike Morris or Gabe Newberg, uh, a couple of three stars from the 2019 class. And finally, um, Braden McGregor, who's a a bit of an Aiden Hutchinson clone, but uh, had a major injury at the end of high school that kind of set back his development a little bit. So even though uh, he's a redshirt freshman, uh, it might still be a little while before he really sees the field in a major capacity. Connor, let's let's hear the bull case. So I feel bad for Dan here because this is going to be a tough one to make a really bearish case
1: <laughs> because I, I think you said this already, but like Aiden Hutchinson, if he's healthy, should be one of the best players in the Big Ten, if not the entire country. Um, that dude was ridiculous the past two years when he was on the field. And this year, you get the sense he's going to be one of the centerpieces of the defense, probably the centerpiece, and will be allowed to do... Really, whatever Mike McDonald thinks he's good at, um, which will be a lot of pass rushing. um, And I think he's going to be a terror, honestly. He's going to be the guy who will get the statistical benefits of those three large men uh, pushing the offensive line. Um, And so just that alone is a strong bull case. But I really – so I'm a little bit – I'm going to be a little more optimistic than what Ace said. David Ojabo has gotten a ton of coach hype. Um, I know we're all wary of that. We feel like we've been burned in the past, but his name comes up over and over again. The way he's discussed makes it seem like he's the number two guy right now. And that's a best case scenario for Michigan because he is by far the highest upside guy in this group. Um, I mean, this guy ran a 10, nine, 100 meters at two twenty, and the legend, which is true is he got big 10 offers just because of that before he played football ever. Um, which is completely ridiculous. Uh, and so if he's ready to play football, yeah. I mean, if he's ready to play football, then he could be I mean, he could be a true breakout star for this defense. That is very, very possible. Um, I think he's gonna make some mistakes this year. I think he will we might be frustrated with him at times, but I'm very, very excited to see him actually get on the field. And then the third guy there is Taylor Upshaw, who last year looked like a guy who at least belongs on the field. Like he looks like a solid guy, kind of unspectacular. Um and that's, you know, you're going to have two of these guys in the field at most, probably most of the time. I really like McGregor's potential. He is coming off a major injury. Jalen Harrell was specifically recruited to be kind of an Uche light, um, and he's a second-year player. And you've just got a bunch of guys. like this is a, This is a group where you have a bunch of guys who I kind of like, and you only have to fill a couple spots, maybe often just one spot. Um, so the athletic upside, the fact that these guys are the ones who are probably most going to benefit from the new structure of the defensive line, the fact that you know that Mike McDonald is going to move them around and put them in position to succeed because this is his kind of pet position, this is what he coached at Baltimore. Um, I'm really excited, and I think it's tough to make a bear case, but we're going to hear we're going to hear Dan do his best.
0: <laughs>
2: Good luck, uh, dude. That's uh, I'm well. I want to make it known that I'm always doing my best in this podcast. Um, so. <laughs> Um, I'm mailing well, it in today. I just want to get. Uh, yeah.
0: That
2: out. <laughs> um, I think personally that um, the Bear case. Me look. I, I agree. Like I'm. I, I think of the. I'm certainly. You know, this is the only position group on uh, Michigan's defense with a you know surefire uh, at least first two round pick. Um, so. You know I, I think it's I think it's it's a relative bear case, right like I'm not here to argue that Aiden Hutchinson's gonna be very good at one position. Um, I will say you know like he is uh, changing you know what he's being asked to do. Um, you know what is what he's being asked to do is is more simple so you know I, I don't know if I can really make, you know make that argument, but you know um, I, I, I think it's it's gonna be a different kind of pass rush. I think he's gonna do well at it. I think there'll be an adjustment period. Um, so that's that's if I was trying to make a bear case, I would say you know maybe a little bit of a muted um, Aiden Hutchinson impact early on, um, and at the other position, you know I think I think something I, I would say is that uh, you know I I believe the David Ojabo hype in terms of like his athleticism, um, you know if he's not truly ready to go uh, in terms of like you know just being an every down player, which I. I do find it hard to believe that he's truly, like, 100% ready to be a defensive end. Um, then, you know, you're you're going to be going with probably Taylor Upshaw most of the time and then a bunch of guys that haven't really played. And, you know, potentially you don't have an impact pass rusher at that other spot. So, you know, I mean, look, th- that's really all I'm going to say about it because I agree, like, I, I like this position. I think you got a lot to choose from at the other spot. I think Aiden Hutchinson's going to be great. But if I was making a bear case, I would say there's going to be adjustment period for Aiden Hutchinson and... Beyond Aiden Hutchinson, you don't know that you have an impact pass rusher at that other spot. And you do, I will say, this is this is also another thing about this defense. You do need these two spots to both be impact pass rushers as opposed to Don Brown's system where one of them was kind of, um, one of them was an anchor, more of a run stopper. And uh, he, he kind of supplemented that with blitzes. In this defense, you have three interior defensive line spots that aren't necessarily pass rushers, and you need your two edges to be impact pass rushers. So, you know, I will say I'm, I'm hopeful for David Ojabo, but uh, if he's not ready to go, then you might be lacking for, you know, firepower a little
0: bit on the edge. You almost had me at the end there. I, I will give you credit for uh, really putting your full effort in there, Dan. And, uh, and noting that it is extremely important in this defense to get uh, solid production out of both 3-4 uh, outside linebackers. That said, Aiden Hutchinson is going to be really good. Uh, our, our worst case scenario is not accounting for catastrophic injuries. And you have a ton of bodies to throw at one spot. Several of these guys are pretty well regarded, especially Ojabo and Harrell. In terms of their high school recruiting profiles, McGregor too, uh, if he's um, back to full form, and uh, Ojabo's potential is really exciting. If the if the floor is Upshaw, and it's it'll be an improved version of Upshaw. I I, I just think that's that spot's going to work out. So I I have to go with the bull case here. Um, don't expect uh, it to be a much longer string of bulls. Um, <laughs> and that brings us to inside linebacker. Um, which is mostly this, I mean, it's not dramatically different, uh, in terms of you're mostly going to have the same guys, uh, filling those positions. They don't have quite, I mean, they have a fair amount of coverage responsibility just because you're, you're generally rushing both edges. Um, you, you're going to have to be pretty decent in, uh, your zone drops at least, although that was also, um especially as the season wore on last year, uh, a, a more heavy emphasis under Don Brown. Um, and you definitely need to be uh, uh, college-sized. Uh, you you got to be ready physically to see the field as an inside linebacker in a 3-4 defense uh, because while, while, you, while you do need to there, – there's a little less emphasis on flying around sideline side to sideline and a little bit more on on thumping into some gaps. Um Michigan has uh, two returners who have seen the field quite a bit, uh, especially after Cameron McGrone had a a pretty uh, inexplicably bad end to his career at Michigan. Um, Josh Ross uh, uh, seems like he's been around forever. He was a 2017 four-star, was very good as a sophomore uh, starter, and then uh, had kind of a disappointing – Junior year, um, a lot of guys had a disappointing 2020, so we're hoping that much of that is a mirage. Uh, Michael Barrett came in uh, as a three-star athlete who I I think was kind of unfairly bumped down the rankings because people weren't sure which position to put at, um, whether it was uh, kind of option quarterback, uh, running back, or linebacker. Uh, Michigan decided on linebacker for him relatively early. He's been a special team standout. He has made an impact at the linebacker position now. And, um, I I think he's got decent potential. Uh, after that, it is a lot of young recruits who have not seen the field yet. So I'm not going to name a ton of names. I'll just say that, uh, junior Colson an early enrollee true freshman has been mentioned as, uh, possibly the third linebacker. Although it seems like that might go to Nakai Hill Green. Um, who is a redshirt freshman? <laughs> um, so, Connor, um, this time I wish you good luck. <laughs> thank you. Thank
1: you. Uh, who's ready for Junior Colson season, folks? Um, I mean, I actually am. I, I, him seeing the field this year would not be the worst thing because that dude is one of my favorite recruits in recent memory, but he is a true freshman. Um, Okay, so here's a major theme on this defense that I think is getting buried in all of the understandable pessimism that we're seeing across the board from analysts. There's a ton of experience returning on this defense. Now, the obvious counterpoint is a lot of that experience has been shaky, but um, Michael Barrett and Josh Ross, as Ace pointed out, have seen the field a lot. And at various points, we've seen them both have stretches of playing good football, and they both have some highlights to their name and everything else. And they both had periods where we thought they were like NFL draftees. And they also both had periods where we thought they didn't belong in the field. And yeah, it's, it's been up and down, but I do think that like you could do a lot worse and plenty of teams in the big 10 will probably be doing worse. They're starting linebackers than those two. And then, uh, yeah, you have to sort of <laughs> you're sort of uh, jury rigging everything after that. Um, <laughs> J- Jim Harbaugh has gone so far as to praise Nikai Hillgreen, saying he's not a normal sophomore, which is definitely what you want to hear about your like third linebacker who may even start. <laughs> it sounds like, um, it actually, it sounds like the, the bits from MGo Blog today were kind of pushing it towards that the starting group would be like a rotating three of Barrett, Ross, and uh, Hillgreen. And Hill Green sounds like a smart kid with some athleticism, not great. And Colson might be, you know, the fourth guy there as a true freshman, which, yeah, I and mean, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. That's not ideal. This is a thin <laughs> position. I think that the good news before Dan, before Dan buries me here, is I think that the nice thing is a lot of the times there there will only be two of these guys in the field. A lot of some sets, if if there's like like Seth described this as a 515. Uh, a lot of what Baltimore does, there might only be one inside linebacker on in the, in the field a fair amount of the time, so you don't have to field three guys. You only need two, one to two most of the time, so the thinness is not as fatal as it might seem. Um, and they do have veterans up top. That's the, that's the bull case.
2: Let me just uh, crack my knuckles here. Get ready to go to work. Um, <laughs> So, I, I think I just do want to make the point about the difference in um, responsibilities in a 3 in 4 versus a 4 um, 3. You know, so, you know, we, we touched on earlier that, you know, we think Michigan's run defense will, or at least interior defensive line will be better just by virtue of the fact that there are three of them. And you might say, like, wow, like, awesome. Like, you know, why, why doesn't everyone just, you know, use three interior defensive linemen? Well, the answer is because you have to take away from somewhere, and that somewhere you're taking away from is a uh, linebacker. Um, So your linebacker level now has a ton more stress put on it, right? Because less is going to get by the defensive line, but things are still going to get by the defensive line. And when they do, your linebacker level has two men, um, and they have to be uh, both able to run sideline to sideline and able to read and, you know, make the correct play and be in the right spot. You know, um, Wisconsin has done this by having – Wisconsin, I mean, constantly has incredible off uh, linebackers, um, but, you know, specifically they're guys that are like super drilled in just like where to be and what to do I- in the defense. Um, and also they're guys that, you know, I know we make a lot of jokes about, like, you know, Wisconsin's linebackers and people make a lot of assumptions about their athleticism for, you know, whatever reason. But uh, but they are usually very athletic. I mean, there's a lot of uh, and a lot of NFL guys on those uh, Wisconsin, um, you know, in those Wisconsin linebacker core. So you know, this is a critical position for the defense, and I think it's one unfortunately where Michigan's defense may, you know, it might be the keystone that you know kind of crumbles and falls apart, unfortunately, because. Um, there really just aren't that many good options. I mean, Josh Ross, you know, we're getting a lot of talk that he's, you know, back and like ready to contribute. Um, and I, and I do buy that in terms of like, he's a team leader and like, I'm sure he's better. He's gotta be better than he was last year, but he is, you know, not necessarily what you would, he's more of a, a fourth, a four, two, five or four, three linebacker, um, you know, and I don't quite think he's up to the task to, you know, be like... I think he'd be a good, like, second-best linebacker in this defense. But as, like, the leader, I just don't know if he's, if he's like, that caliber of player. Um, and then you have uh, either um, Michael Barrett, who, you know... Basic, played a totally different position last year. I mean, Viper was a linebacker position, but mostly he was like covering tight ends and blitzing. So you're now you're now moving him back to one of two critical linebacker spots, and asking him to you know read, react, and and, and be in the right spot. Not to mention the fact that he's kind of undersized. Um, you know that's 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 kind of rough. And then Nakai Hill Green, who you know, it seems like the staff's generally high on, and I I think you know could be you know uh, that Wisconsin type linebacker that's just like very heady, you know, kind of like a uh, maybe Mike mccray plus a little bit of athleticism type. um But he's he has not seen the field yet, and he didn't see the field last year when they were falling apart. Which you know, who knows how much of Don Brown you know not wanting to play freshman that is, but. You know he, he 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 didn't play and he's gonna be seeing his first game action potentially in a very critical spot in this defense. Um, and then you've got Junior Colson, who again, I'm super high on, but like he's gonna be a true I think he's a prototypical type of linebacker for this defense, but he's gonna be a true freshman and he's not gonna be making the right reads. and he's gonna make some spectacular plays, but he's also gonna make some spectacularly wrong reads. So, I mean, just, I don't see a path where, this is a critical part of this defense, and I don't really see a path to it being anything better than, like, you know, passable. Um, so, uh, oh, and also they're going to be asked to cover a lot more because uh, <laughs> there's no Vi- there's no Viper. <laughs> um, so they're going to be, you know, and, uh, you know, I mean, I, th- I think Michael Barrett's been shown to be able to do that, but Josh Ross is, you know, kind of still... Um, I mean, he got dusted by uh, Connor Hayward a couple times last year. So, um, you know, well, Connor um, Hayward's
0: I, a tight end now. So, you know.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> uh, him, him and Rocky Lombardi and Paul Fanson are like the, the leaders of the uh, own damn club. Um, so, yes. anyway. Uh, but, but uh, yeah, so, so anyway, I don't mean to get too negative, but I, I, just, I think the bear case is a pretty easy one to make and, you know, the correct case to make, honestly.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to argue too much with what Dan just said. Uh I I do think there is some upside as as Connor has pointed out, but um I'd be a little bit nervous about this group even if Michigan was staying in the same defense and asking them to maintain the same responsibilities. And while I do think Barrett fits well as as this type of linebacker, um I don't know if he's a true number 1, but he hasn't played inside linebacker yet in his career, and I, I share the same concerns about Ross being able to handle the coverage responsibilities and just the complete lack of proven anything behind those guys. So, um, you know, when part of the bull case is that the position may be de-emphasized, uh, that's, that's, not, that's not always great. Um, before we jump into the defensive backfield, and I know you are all really... Really looking forward to that. Um, we we have to talk about something. and that something is that our 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 sponsor, Homefield Apparel, and use the promo code BucketProblem for fifteen percent off your first order. I know a lot of you skip this, I'm getting it in quick. Um That was a
2: flawless segue, Ace.
0: Thank you. <laughs> um They they've turned against us. Um, this week's big new Saturday school is the Washington Huskies, Michigan's week two opponent. They are a month before this game handing home field magic right to Washington and this aggression will not stand.
2: You know what guys don't even go to their website this week. Do not use code bucket problem to buy any, any, uh, amazingly soft, uh, Washington Huskies gear. If, if you do, don't even bother coming back to listen to this podcast next week. Yeah, we you will. don't
1: want those soft, plush, unbelievably comfortable
0: shirts touching your body. <laughs> and, and, and if you do decide that you must shop on Saturday at Homefield Apparel while using the promo code BUCKET PROBLEM for 50% off your first order, which you should <laughs> stand in solidarity with the Bucket Problem and the University of Michigan and buy from their Michigan collection and not from their Washington collection. Do not contribute to this aggression. <laughs> we are on to the rest of the defense. Um, oh, God. I, I'm i staring at these two groups. <laughs> and I, don't, I don't know which said, one I, oh, I want God. to start with. Um, I wrote down cornerback first, and I feel like that might have been a mistake. But here we let's go. Just, um, let's just do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, so cornerback is still cornerback. Your your job is still to defend the, the receivers. Um, Michigan was really bad at doing this last year, whether they played man or zone. Um, I, I would say a, a significant reason that Don Brown got fired is that uh, he was very wed to playing man-to-man defense to the point that even though He recruited a bunch of players who uh, seemingly were not very capable of playing man-to-man defense. He also did not prepare a zone defense uh, that at all worked in the preseason. So when the man defense broke down last year, Michigan threw out a, like, Madden 04-ass cover two and a little bit of cover three in there, and it looked like defenses were playing against a Madden 04 defense. On rookie mode. Uh, it, it was brutal. Um, it was not fun to watch. The Michigan State game will uh, live in infamy. And so on. Um, there is one locked-in starter. And it was the one guy who had moments where he looked pretty confident last year. That's Jamon Green. Uh, he did a very solid job guarding Minnesota's Rashad Bateman. Um, who was a um, high, I believe, first-round NFL draft pick. Um and uh had his had his shaky moments mostly when Michigan went to more zone. Uh but overall, you know, he's six two, um, actually can play the ball, uh, which we'll get to, you know, how that was an issue for some other guys. Um and has solid athleticism, which uh also, um, not necessarily an emphasis under Don Brown with recruiting, which was strange. Um so that's, that's one starter. And then the other spot, um, there is a returning starter, uh, but it's Vincent Gray. And, and Vincent Gray last year had a um, very difficult season. I don't, I don't think uh, it is mean to point that out. We, we watched the games. Um, y'all saw that. Um, so Gray is going to have to fight to keep his starting job. Uh, the guy who was competing the most in the spring uh, was DJ Turner the second a um, high three-star from the 2019 class. Um, his time on the field did not go particularly well either. Gray obviously um, held on to that job for most of the season. Uh, someone who's been mentioned in fall camp reports, although we have you know cautioned against believing those, is George Johnson III, who was like a, a, a QB athlete and – you know, a running quarterback in high school who was projected to be a slot receiver and then, uh, moved over to corner. Um, there are a couple, four stars in the defensive backfield, uh, Andre Seldon and Darian Green Warren, who, if you, uh, combine their powers, uh, would make one pretty excellent cornerback. Uh, the problem is that, um, Andre Seldon is the athletic one and he's five eight and Darian Green Warren is, uh, the one who's, uh, properly sized for a cornerback at 6'2", but he runs like a 4'7". So neither of those guys have gotten much practice hype. Um, Who knows, maybe one of them will break out. Um, But uh, the um, names have been mentioned before them have been a little alarming. There's not much aside from that. Uh, Jaden McBurrows is a three-star who enrolled early, and there's uh, Eamon Dennis, um, who was a very fast uh, three-star athlete in the 2020 class. Uh, Connor? Um... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Go go, go for it, my
1: friend. So, the bull case for this cornerback's room is it would be really hard for them to be as bad as they were last year. The Um, bar, baby! The bar has been, yeah. We're moving the goalposts, folks. The goalposts are on a truck and they're going down the highway. But, like, I I do actually mean that. and It does have some substance to it, which is, like... (sighs) guys who like played cornerback in high school and are recruited to play in the power five, like if they look the way that Michigan's corners looked against Michigan state last year, something is very, very wrong with how they're being prepared to play the game. Um, and while I don't think Vincent Gray's an NFL player, something broke down in the coaching. And I feel like we're in a Gothic novel here. Cause we're referring to like some mysterious something that we don't actually know what like everything that went <laughs> wrong last year, but like, Again, I think that here and this is, this gets to the, the real bull case, which is they have like Steve Klinkscale is a very, very good college uh defensive backs coach, and he has been a part of working some magic at Kentucky where they have to take guys who are not you know alabama caliber athletes and they've had, they've created some pretty darn good defenses in the s e c so they play a lot of nightmarishly good receivers, and he's figured that out um he at least claims that he's getting along very well with Mike McDonald, so we can hope that the two of them can figure something out. Um, what they'll be figuring out will be, you know, how to work with some less than ideal personnel. But the other part, of, you know, the final part of the bull case is I do think Jamon Green stands a good chance of being at least a later round NFL draft pick because he does have a great frame and he's fast and has good physical attributes for a corner. And if he reaches his ceiling as a college player, he'll be a very solid corner worthy of the lineage of good Michigan cornerback play and one or two of these other guys could also be okay if Steve Linkscale does his job really really well that's the bull case
0: all right Dan just go ahead and you know, <laughs> so, awful. Uh,
2: yeah I, I think I think I'm not even really gonna I don't because I don't want to trash on it too much <laughs> yeah, so thank you I think like I think it's okay like we know what the correct answer is here I- I'm sorry Connor Um, I appreciate the effort, but, um, (laughs) you know, I will say, like, to even kind of, like, dampen it a little bit more, like, we are sort of assuming that on Green is, like, going to be good, and he was pretty good last year, but, like, by no means a lockdown corner, Um, so, like, that's when that's your sure thing, and then you're basically saying, you know, I know DJ Turner's getting some hype, um, but someone has to you know like they know we're not gonna buy the vincent gray hype Um, some
0: of us remember johnny sears
2: (laughs) um and uh i I think i think that it's just this is gonna be a rough position group um i think the upside you know again like i I don't want to dump on it too much is they are going to be playing like you know they're going to be varied coverages so they're not going to be asking these guys to totally play on an island um you know but and so, so they're going to be playing, you know, quote-unquote, like, more zone. They're going to be um, probably trying to mix up coverages to confuse quarterbacks, um, etc. Um, but, you know, then the downside to that is, like, A, they're going to have to learn all these new coverages basically from scratch because, like, God knows, uh, you know, uh, Don Brown wasn't teaching it last year. Um, you know, pattern matching cover three um, is not something that's, you know, easily picked up in one off season um and also i I do want to say you know like i think there's a certain level of like uh in in like the foot the 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 discourse is like oh just play zone you know and it's like it's not like flag football where it's like you you guys get winded after like a drive or two and you're like oh let's like switch to zone you know and everyone kind of just like (laughs) like lays back and is like all right let's just like let's uh let's let them complete whatever and just you know come up and tackle it's like zone is like you still have to be athletic to play zone you still have to be able to break on the football you still have to also play like basically like if you're playing cover three you're at a certain point your corners are are playing man because if you if you run a deep route you know yeah you've got cushion but there's no one like you're playing a deep third like you're gonna have to cover that outside route one-on-one effectively um, you know, so it's a little bit less stress, but, uh, it's still like, you know, your corners have to, your corners have to be fast. They have to be athletic. They have to be able to play man-to-man coverage, um, at a certain point. So, you know, this, this position, you know, Michigan, this position group for Michigan is, uh, you know, it's rough and, and, and to add, you no know, insult to injury, like I think you were kind of hoping like some of the young guys might sort of hit their stride, and we're really not hearing very much about Andre Seldon or Darian Green Warren. Um, so, you know, I guess I guess the upside here is that I like the way they're recruiting in the twenty twenty two class. <laughs> um, but those guys are not going to be on campus this year, and uh, I, I think it's going to be it's going to be a rough go. And it's 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 uh, it's I don't know. It'll be better than last year, I think, um, but it's it's not going to be good.
0: Yeah, I think you could make the case that Will Johnson would start on this team this year. He absolutely Um, would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, y'all know where this is going. This is the bear case. Um, I even to add, uh, one little tidbit to that. We, we talk about Jamon green, like he's a developmental prospect. He's in his fourth year. Um, yeah. I I mean, sorry that the, that this is just so bad. And also sorry for the neighbor's dog. If that's getting picked up on the mic. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're just not hearing the right things right now, uh, for even like the relatively decent upside case. And it's just hard to get, uh, particularly excited about, uh, much about this position group beyond, uh, hopefully Jamon Green maybe getting up to, I don't know, the honorable mention, all Big Ten, third team, all Big Ten, second team, maybe, you know, somewhere in there, um, would be, uh, Definitely nicer than what they had last year. And then at the second spot, I think uh, you're just hoping for a certain level of competence. Um, safety. Uh, there are two locked-in starters, which is good, although one of them might need to essentially function as a cornerback. Uh, that guy is a 2019 five-star uh, Dax Hill, guy who Michigan lost to Alabama and got back. Um, If you don't think Michigan is throwing the bag around, uh, listen to that last statement again. Um, He has uh, a world of athletic talent, uh, some just spectacular stuff that he's put on film, uh, tremendous ability to close down on ball carriers, and for a large portion. And and he also uh, is uh, pretty darn impressive in man coverage, which could be uh, extremely important this season. Last year, uh, like much of the rest of the defense, he looked completely lost uh, for a large portion of the season uh, because Michigan switched to something they hadn't practiced before. And also, Michigan didn't have a goddamn safeties coach. So that was bad. This year, they have a safeties coach, and that's going to help. I just, I just made part of Connor's case for him. Um, the other starter is Brad Hawkins. He has been in the secondary for a while now. And while he had uh, kind of an auspicious start to his time uh, as a safety at Michigan, he is a, I would say, a pretty underrated player at this point. Very uh, good athlete, um, usually in the right place, uh, can, can bring the wood a little bit. And uh, also had some issues last year, but uh, he has, I would say, put more than enough on tape to expect him to be a solid starter. After that, you get guys who either uh, briefly saw the field last year or have not seen the field yet. Um, they are mostly guys from the 2020 class. Uh, they're all four stars, uh, at least, in R.J. Moton, Makari Page, and Jordan Morant. You also have a couple players from the 2019 class in Quentin Johnson uh, and Jalen Perry, who has slid over from corner, I think some of these position switches may stick may not who knows it's you know we have time uh German Green is um there I think Michigan mostly took him because he was Jamon Green's twin brother um (laughs) because he has not really seen much of the field yet at all but um this is a group where if there was more confidence in the cornerbacks I think there would be a lot more confidence in the safeties because you would know that you could have Dax Hill playing that spot uh or being utilized as this moving chess piece. Instead, you might need him guarding the other team's best receiver a lot of the time, or or at least kind of basically playing the slot. Um, You kind of hope that he can get away with playing the slot. You want to keep that guy close to the ball. And if that happens, then you're suddenly going from uh, two returning starters to putting in uh, a new starter at safety. And uh, with these corners, a a first-year starter at safety doesn't sound ideal. Um, but Connor, maybe you can, uh, you can talk me into the strength of the two, the two top guys and the chances that Michigan can fill somebody in behind them.
1: So I'm actually like genuinely very bullish about this group. Um, I think there, look, look there are two guys that are likely to be centerpieces of this defense that Mike McDonald actually builds some interesting things around. One is Aiden Hutchinson. The other is Dax Hill because of all the reasons that Ace mentioned exceptional athletic ability, um, Can do a lot of things. Can play all over the defensive backfield. uh, Is a really good run stopper at safety, actually. Et cetera, et cetera. And I think you'll see a lot of him at nickel. Um, That seems to be inevitably coming. And I think that Michigan likes him a lot there. I think one reason they feel fine moving him around to a great extent. Like, I don't think you'll see him at boundary corner, although... I mean who knows, right? Depends on yes. where we get in our in our DAX con meter, but like, I think know, they
2: should. But yeah,
1: right. well, he might be, there. yeah, he might Personally. become their best boundary corner if they did. But like, okay, like, here's the thing, right? He should be very good now that he has a coach. He's not like, I don't know what he was doing in practice last year, maybe just like running wind sprints. Uh, I don't know, hiding in a corner watching his phone, like, whatever he was doing. He's not even maybe, yeah, yeah, he's being coached by Ron Bellamy, whom we all love. Um, I think Dax is someone you can expect big things from. And I'm not alone. I would say that this would be a pretty strong position group. But honestly, Michigan has recruited this position group really, really well. So we like Brad Hawkins. Um, We love Brad Hawkins, don't we, folks? Uh, We're looking looking very strongly into Brad Hawkins. Sorry. But he is... (laughs) He has shown some really good boring safety ability. And if you read in the blog, you know that boring safety is a high compliment. Um, yes. And he has done that. Like, he's had his ups and downs last year. But, like, again, I really think for safety where they don't have a coach, you can throw out last year. I mean, for real. So, 2019 Brad Hawkins is a good player um, that we're lucky to have. And then, honestly, behind him, that class of those three safeties, uh, all four stars that Michigan picked up, in 2020, RJ Moten and Makari Page have both gotten a lot of talk from the coaches. Macari Page has already played a lot, actually. And to be – the fact that Don Brown was willing to throw a true freshman safety out there who didn't have a coach, we keep saying that, is pretty amazing. <laughs> and I don't think Makari Page – like, he wasn't great, but he also, like, was not – he wasn't as bad as some of the cornerback playing stuff. And so, I, I, you know, he's reunited with his, his high school coach, Ron Bellamy. Like, I think he's going to be pretty good. The coaches love RJ Moten. His name comes up all the time. He was a high upside athlete and i think they're comfortable putting him out there so i think you're you know we're more likely to see three safeties than three corners uh if there are five dbs on the field and i think moten and um makari page are you know gonna be both be featured a lot um and then i will say this also jordan moran has not gotten a lot of hype and i'm worried about him because he's been injured he was a big time recruit that we liked a lot and Most programs would love, would love to have a guy with Jordan Morant's recruiting profile as their fifth guy at any position, Um, let alone like a relatively luxury position like safety. I think this is a strength of the team. Like I know the secondary was bad last year, but this projects, you know, this
0: should project to be a strength of the team. I think the bull case is the reality here. I do want to jump in before, before Dan does real quick, just to say that um, to your point on Morant, uh, one thing that coaches do not like to do uh, while talking to the media is praise people who are injured. So if you're looking for somebody who's going to come out of seemingly nowhere to grab a spot, Jordan Morant might not be the worst bet because uh, coaches really do not like talking up guys who are not practicing. They just do not do it. It is a football coach thing, but guys recover from injuries and, then suddenly, they're still the same football player, and uh, Morant has a lot of potential. So, um, I just wanted to throw that in, Dan. Um, the you know, throw a wet blanket on us.
2: Okay, uh, I don't really. I mean, I don't really want to because, like, I feel like I was, I was kind of negative. Do it. It's section. your job. Yeah, I know it's my job. This is why you pay me. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, I what I will say is 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 that I, I do think this is going to be a relative strength of the team. So you know, this, again, this is a relative bear case. Um, you know, I will point out that although Michigan does have a safeties coach, which you know, undeniably a great leap forward, and I want to you know congratulate Jim Harbaugh for, for you know uh, making that incredible uh, self diagnosis and you know hiring a safeties coach that is present and on the field uh, most of the time. Um, that uh, this is a safeties coach that you know. Um, was coaching high school football last year. So, you know, it's not like we've got a, a guru back there. You know, he's going to be helped by other coaches, but it's it it it's going to be a big step up, but maybe not like, you know, an, a savant. Um, and, uh, you know, I think Dax Hill is, everything you guys said about him is correct. Um, but he, yeah, at this point, it's like, it's kind of going to feel like he's going into like his first real season playing football because his his freshman year he barely played until the end and you know he's promising when he got in and then his sophomore year was you know a COVID year plus the fact that he didn't have a coach and now it's his junior year probably his last year at Michigan and it's like it might be the first time we're actually seeing him in full force on the field and I think he's going to have a lot of those mistakes that he would have probably gotten out in his freshman or sophomore year under normal coaching um, in his junior year. So I think he's going to be spectacular in a a lot of games and a lot of situations, but he's also going to make mistakes that, you know, uh, a younger player would make. Um, And then Brad Hawkins, you know, I agree is underrated, but you know, I, I would say athletically limited at least maybe not athletically limited, but uh, uh, speed and quickness uh, limited. So I don't know, whatever. I I guess I'm, I'm, nitpicking there in terms of my terminology, but, um, and then, you know, RJ Moten, um, I agree, like, you know, super high on, um, I think, you know, but, uh, also, you know, ha- hasn't, hasn't seen the field yet. So, you know, like we're looking this at, this is a relative strength of the team. And I agree they've recruited it very well. Um, and you know, they've, the, the coaching can be a massive upgrade. Um, it's probably also going to be a massive upgrade in terms of scheme because they're going to be asked to do less, so, you know, all those things are positives, but I do want to pump the brakes a little bit. You know, I think we're talking about Dax is All-American, and I agree he's got that potential. But, you know, I I just sort of get the vibe with Dax that, like, it's going to be one of those what-ifs. He's going to be one of those Michigan five-stars that, like, yeah, was very good, but, like, man, like, what could he have been if, like, you know, we hadn't been dicking around for two years?
0: <laughs> uh, that's that's a depressing Conclusion, but uh, also one that is a little hard to argue with. Uh, I will say, I, I think I've actually been talked into the bull case on this um, because I would say my main concern with the safeties group is more of a cornerback's concern, which is that Dax Hill would have to become a cornerback. And you have a pretty solid top two, um, especially since Hill's uh, phenomenal athleticism helps cover for uh, you know Hawkins not being... Uh, you know, first-round NFL draft pick level athlete uh, like Hill could be. And while I do agree with Dan that, uh, you know, there have been a couple years that were not uh, fully utilized in the Dax Hill experience, um, the same could very much be said about Jabril Peppers in his first couple years at Michigan where it felt like he was still kind of finding a position. The coaches were learning how to utilize him, and while they – you know, played a very different defense and decided to play him as a, a, a pretty a true weak side linebacker um, or a true strong side linebacker, sorry. Um, things really, really clicked uh, for that one season. So I think we can see that with Dax Hill as long as Michigan doesn't need him to play a completely different position. Um, and so I will agree with the bullish case there because uh, while well, I should be deeply scarred by Michigan's safety history, um, that did improve considerably under Don Brown. And there is a significant amount of talent that hopefully will only need to fill one spot. Um, so, yeah, hopefully Michigan will actually be able to put three uh, or be comfortable even playing like four safeties before they have to get to, I don't know, the third corner. Um, and, uh, yeah, that probably means that position group is a strength. So, I turned around on that. Um, however, now we have to talk about how it all comes together. Um, so, boy. Um, <laughs> again, where to begin? Um, the The 3-4 defense, uh, we will expect to see, uh, obviously, a little bit more variety. Uh, if For as much as Don Brown earned the Dr. Blitz moniker, I mean— you kind of had a pretty good idea of what Michigan was going to do under him especially the last few years uh until he um scrapped all his coverage and tried to install something totally different uh in the middle of last season uh when things were just totally falling apart Michigan was going to play man coverage um you're going to line up and press you and uh if you could beat them you could beat them um we're going to see prime more i would say um coaching to players' strengths, and um, that is maybe, yes, meant as a a little bit of an insult to the way Don Brown was utilizing his talent uh, towards the end there. Um, I'm not saying Don Brown was a bad coach, uh, but things went a little sour at the end. Uh, But I don't really, in part because I think um, this defense is going to very much be uh, designed around Michigan's personnel because they know that this is a transition year, but they and they also know that they need to improve to a certain level of just decent in one year, or um, probably this whole staff is going to be gone or at least a significant chunk of it. Um, I don't want to make uh, very specific predictions about like the defense's aggression, uh, or like, um, how certain positions are going to be used, how much they're going to blitz, uh, what the style is going to look like. Also, Mike McDonald uh, has been a co-coordinator on a team with a more prominent defensive coordinator, but he has not coached his own defense and has been in the NFL. So we don't really know what a McDonald defense looks like. So I just said a lot of stuff um, to basically say we don't know. I am going to... Open with this before throwing it for the like overarching. Will this be good cases uh, that uh, hopefully Connor and Dan are ready to make here? Um, well, you can go ahead and count up like, oh, there were like, you know, three bullish cases versus uh, two bearish cases in position groups. And so, you know, at least there's more good than bad. Uh, as we saw last year, um, one really bad, you know, one sore spot at the wrong spot can take down an entire defense and if Michigan has number 2 cornerback play at all like they did last year then it does not matter how good the defensive line is um so yeah I, i'm sorry to hedge against like what sounded like a a, a surprisingly optimistic uh discussion of at least uh half the secondary but um yeah kind of felt the need to get in that get that in too so um on that lovely note, Connor, uh, what's the high end for this defense?
1: Oh, I the high end as far as numbers, like I, it's tough, right? Because I think, if I recall correctly, I think Michigan was 84th in total defense last year, which as I pointed out many times, you're like in commuter school territory there. You're like in the territory of, of football <laughs> programs run by teams that offer most of their classes. Uh, uh, Connor, online. I'll actually...
2: Yeah. I'll I'll disagree. Uh, MSU was a lot higher than that. Yeah, I, know guess, so I don't.
1: It's slandered
2: <laughs> commuter schools everywhere.
1: <laughs> there there are schools founded in the last 15 years that probably had better defenses uh, last year than Michigan. So that that I mean, look, nowhere to go but up is one aspect of it, which is a pretty grim thing to say, but it's kind of true. I think the the high case is simply like, and it, it, there's so many unknowns, right? And some of the unknowns have to break in our favor, and we need some luck, which I know it feels like Michigan football never has any luck, but
0: I we're due this time it happens
1: that's right you'd think right Um, I actually am pretty into Mike McDonald and I think the more that I think about this and the more that I probe it it really does kind of come down to him because he'll be the one making all the key decisions about how to deploy personnel and, and what to run within his sort of you know, book of magic tricks of his. He's promising multiple, and he's being specific. He's saying, like, we're going to run a 6 1. I don't know what that even looks like, but like, <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> he's promising a lot of different looks. And I think we will see a variety of things that will ultimately be a base 3 4. But I think it does come down to how good he is. Uh, by all accounts, he has a brilliant football mind, and it does sound like the players like him a lot. And again, I don't want to rip on Don Brown too much because we've done that enough, and he was a very good coach. But the players did not like him by the end. I think that's pretty safe to say uh, based on how things were going with that team. And so if Mike McDonald is able to like turn things around in terms of getting the most out of his, the, the talent that is in this team, it's uneven talent, it's relatively thin talent, a lot of it's unproven. But I think that if Mike McDonald was up to his billing, he will be able to put these guys in positions to succeed. And I will say this again, I've said it many times in chat. There's enough talent on this team that I think if this were the Indiana defense, we'd be saying, "Okay, Indiana has some holes in their defense, but they're probably going to be pretty good." Um, can Michigan get to that level to be like in the upper half of the Big Ten? I think so. I think it could also all go sideways, especially if, like, yeah, if if it just sort of devolves into this like players don't trust what's happening thing anymore, which is not out of the question. But I just think there's enough talent on this team, and I think if Mike McDonald uses it well. Um, and uses it realistically and slots guys into roles where they can succeed. I think it can be way, way better than last year. And yeah, like I don't think it'll be one of the best defenses in the Big Ten, but I think there's a reasonable case to be made that just based on talent and what we know that these guys are capable of if they hit their ceilings, that it's gonna be a, you know, a passable power five defense, which is probably the best we can ask for.
0: Woo. All right, Dan. Have at it.
2: Uh, so, I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, I think Connor's right that I think the defense will be better than la- ne- last year, but it's hard to overstate how bad the defense was last year. I mean, they were 86 in SP plus and, you know, just to give you an idea, I think a lot of people think like, oh, well there, you know, there's 125 teams. So, you know, 86 is really, you know, kind of middle of the pack when you round up. It's like, but you have to remember like SP plus is opponent adjusted. So 86 is, like, below the point where, like, any, like, power five team, let alone Michigan, should ever be. So, like, really understand how bad that defense was last year and in the full and complete collapse that happened. And so, you know, what I'm saying is that, like, with cohesion and, like, hopefully just, like, a coherent scheme and, like, everyone pulling the same direction, like, it does have to be better. Um, now, I do not think it will be good at all, personally. You know, I'm not trying to be like Debbie Downer here, but this is just my honest opinion of it. It's your um, job. It's my job. Um, but uh, I think that, I think ultimately, you know, this is a defense with, when you really look at it, like I know you went with the with the bull case on, on interior defensive line, but, I, and I think that was relative, right? I mean, I don't think there are mm-hmm. any like surefire, uh, difference makers on the interior defensive line that are really going to like like a mohurst just wreck an offense's game plan, right? So I think teams are going to have a tougher time running on this defense, um, but they're still going to be able to do it and when they do move those five defensive linemen out of the way, you know, I think the linebackers are going to be in the wrong spot sometimes <laughs> personally and uh, that, you know, the teams are going to be able to, to make hay on the ground and regardless of whether teams can make hay on the ground, um, I just don't think like we're going to be able to consistently uh, cover people. I think that this team is going to really suffer on um, on kind of like third down passing downs, where you sort of like a like a third and five, third and six, where you kind of have to play some level of man coverage because it's it's a sort of like have to have it stop down. Um, and I, I we still don't have the personnel to do that. Um, So, you know, it's a defense, it's a team that, it's a defense that really has to come together um, and and really mitigate its weaknesses at both linebacker and cornerback and uh, interior defensive line, um, you know, through uh, schematically and, you know, funneling plays to the right spots and, and really, you know, everyone really knowing their role. Like if this defense is going to be passable to, you know, decent, everyone's going to have to be like 100% pulling in the right direction. Um, And... You know, it's also a first-year defensive coordinator that I am. You know, everyone that talks to him says he's an absolute savant, and I trust them. Like, I, I I like what I've heard from him so far. But he still is like, this is the first time he's doing this. So you're putting all of that, all of those deficiencies that we've already talked about, personnel-wise, on a first-year defensive coordinator, and asking him to you know sink or swim for you know the the, the fate of the Harbaugh tenure. And like, I don't know, you guys like. That's that's a tough one for me to buy. Um I just don't know how to like again, that's all with the the uh the the caveat that I think they're going to be better than they were last year, but you know, if you're asking me do I think they're going to be good or even passable like you know, you put a gun to my head, I'm I'm going to say no.
0: Yeah, um I wish I could talk myself into the bull case and I think actually it wouldn't be particularly difficult to do if you just looked at uh, a plausible starting 11. Um, I think Michigan can throw uh, a group of starters out there that are as talented and uh, have as much ability as any defense in the Big Ten short of Ohio State. And I was going to say maybe Penn State, but honestly, Penn State's defense wasn't that great. Um Maybe Wisconsin. Um, the problem is that the depth is at all the wrong spots. Um, instead of having the uh, front line depth on the interior, you have it on the edge where you can really only play two guys, um, and sometimes maybe only one. It's you're not you're not going to have a lot of situations where you're playing three or four. Um, outside linebacker types uh, and or defensive end types, um, unless you're in a real, um, a very screamingly obvious passing down. Uh, in the secondary, the depth is at safety instead of cornerback, and they are uh, flipping a lot of guys between the two because Don Brown recruited a lot of guys who were um, kind of safeties because they were too slow to be corners. Um, yeah, so... <sighs> I like... I like the high end of this defense, I think, more than people would expect. I just am so worried about what happens if, like, any little thing goes wrong. And also just that second corner spot stands out as such an enormous worry, uh, even with what will almost assuredly be improved coaching and and a scheme that works better um, than last year's. Uh, I cannot quite talk myself into this defense uh doing a whole lot better than i don't know 40th 35th in sp plus and while that sounds and is uh, a massive improvement from 2020 it is still not great considering uh for both a a team that would be um remotely trying to compete in the big 10 and um It also would not be great compared to the just general talent level on this defense. But uh, the talent, uh, especially given the switchover in scheme, and again, the just general secondary issues, it is not really distributed the way you would want it to be. Um, On that note, uh, I think we're done. uh, Because if we talk any more about the defense, um, people are never going to come back uh uh so we will dive into the offense next week um thank you to dan and connor uh for providing their insight and also um coming up with a format that uh allowed me to just kind of sit back on this one and and be judgy
2: that's what you do best ace
0: yes thank you (laughs) that's that's my strong suit um so uh thank you for listening follow at buckle problem on uh twitter Go to TheBucketProblem.com, subscribe to the newsletter and the podcast, uh, which is on Apple Podcasts uh, still. Um, the Google feed kind of works. It, we'll go with that. It's complicated, but it works. Um, so you can sign up on Apple or Spotify or Stitcher or, yes, also Google. Um, once again, use the promo code BucketProblem uh, at Homefield Apparel on uh, shirts that do not belong to Michigan's Week 2 opponent. You jerks. Um, and uh, that's it. Thanks for thanks for listening, and uh, we will be bringing you the offense preview next week. Before finishing off the three-part season preview, with a, a very interesting way to approach our uh, overarching finale. So uh, stay tuned.